Excellent. An ale for me. And for my officers. In fact, ales for everyone. Oh, yes. <clears throat> Hello and welcome to Ten Backward, a Star Trek podcast based here in the UK, featuring myself, Will Turland. Uh, a lady who's sitting to the right of me, Gemma Turland. Hello. Uh, a man who is on a screen in front of me, Rick Palmer. Greetings. And another man who is on a screen in front of me, Rick Everson. Hello. And today we are going to be discussing one of the one of Deep Space Nine's finest moments. In fact, maybe one of the one of the finest moments in all of Star Trek. Ooh. And yeah, it's not just a moment. I beg your pardon, Rick. <laughs> but he is without sin, the, the writer episode. <laughs> ah, oh, yeah, that was a corker. I'm about, I'm, I'm this co- close to storm, <laughs> storming off the podcast in a huff. Damn you. It's all right, Will, you can edit that out. <laughs> uh, I, I will. <laughs> no, of course, Rick, I'm talking about um, one, of the, one of the finest Star Trek episodes of all time. The amazing two-parter way of the warrior, um, and we, we, the reason that we're talking about this episode is that we we sort of wanted to do wanted to do another episode where we're where we're really we can just really sing the praises of something that we love about mm. Star Trek. And it's like, wait a minute, have we have we not talked about way of the warrior? The hell is wrong with us? We've got to talk about way of the warrior. So we're going to do that. <laughs> And it's like, I mean, um, it's not really a spoiler to say we we all really like Way of the Warrior, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's not there's not yeah. a, there's not a dissenting voice among us really on that. Which hopefully will still make for an interesting podcast. Well, yes. <laughs> um. So Way of the Warrior is the it's the season opener in uh, season four, isn't it? Yeah. And it's is it fair to say? It's sometimes considered to be a little bit of a what what we may call in modern times of a of a soft reboot um, because it sort of gives DS Nine a bit of a it sort of kickstarts the the war story. It brings in a a recognisable character from from TNG, and I, I read there was some that some of the reasons they did that was it was felt that DS9 was the the ratings were flagging a bit and it wasn't um sort of pulling in the viewers in the way that that everyone wanted it to and they they really wanted to try and shake things up in in season 4 um yeah it's uh, it's similar to bringing in uh, Dwayne Johnson to the Fast and Furious <laughs> franchise I would say <laughs> in <laughs> Fast and Furious well. 5 which Fast and Furious 5 is a fantastic movie. Such a great action movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the Fast and Furious franchise was doing okay, but it wasn't like it, it sort of, it, it wasn't doing great. And then they, they bring in Dwayne Johnson yeah. in that film. And from that point on, those films have, have, have become mega. Like that franchise has just gone on and on and on. And 
And, you know, it's me and Will will attest to because we see those films every time they come out. Oh, yeah. Um, they're, 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 they're great. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so, so I guess Worf is like uh, the Dwayne Johnson of Star Trek. Yeah, he's yeah. the franchise right. Viagra. So of, was he already known, known from Fast and Furious The Next Generation? <laughs> <laughs> oh, would they? Ah. Oh. Rick, you should you should copyright that. They they will do that. They will get to space yeah. eventually. We we actually managed to go through a whole recording last episode where we did not mention Fast and Furious. Well, so that's a bit of a problem. If you'll pardon the parlance, Gemma, strap yourself in. <laughs> because you're probably going to hear it mentioned maybe three to four more times over the next hour. Um, I um I did once I I, I knew a woman who um, she met Dwayne Johnson and just slapped him on the ass. It was sad to see a hit oh. rock bottom. Yeah, I've got to stop giving. Uh, anyway, care. anyway, this is, thank you, thank you for listening to that episode. <laughs> so, um, okay, where where the warrior? Um, oh yeah. We we open with a a scene where it seems there seems to be a, a changeling loose mm-hmm. aboard the station. Right, um, everyone has the their station. they're sweeping it, and mm-hmm. everyone has their their phaser rifles on wide beam. Mm-hmm. Which I don't do we do we see that wide beam effect again? Yes. Like? Well, we may have seen it okay. before. Um, I think we oh, see yeah. it in the the Voyager episode Cathexis. Where um, mm. a, a possessed Tuvok takes down the whole bridge crew with one wide beam hand phaser shot. Um, yeah. that, is, I, that is a handy setting. You would sort of think that that maybe would be like the default setting. If well, it's so I don't useful. know. Surely you want precision. Though that, that yeah. could be. Okay, that yeah. is a really it's like playing cool Doom with setting. the room clearer. Good, yeah, right? yeah, you want to you pick off the monsters one by one, right? <laughs> yeah. We do, we do see it again in um, the the Homefront Paradise Lost two parter. I think when they're talking about installing emitters in Starfleet headquarters areas, oh, which shoot out, and that they, they, I think they actually trial it on Odo to get to get to a strength that makes him uncomfortable enough to revert form. Mm-hmm. So. That that's interesting because that that two party was originally going to be the end of season three, beginning of mm, season four. Wasn't it was, it? and and it was where the warrior that bumped that story further yeah, down the line. The uh, the introduction of Worf yeah. meant shifting that story and changing tack a little bit. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so we get we basically get a scene where where um, it then it's revealed that okay, it's a drill. And Odo mm. is trying to teach them how to deal with uh, changelings hiding on the station. Mm-hmm. And he really chews out um, uh, everyone for, for not finding him quick enough. Yes. Computer elapsed time. Three hours, 27 minutes. That's not good enough. If one of my people were loosed on the station for that long, there's no telling how much damage they could do. I did find myself that there's a scene where, like, Cisco and I think it's Kira sort of stand in a room and wait for Odo to complete his CG animation <laughs> and leap out the room. And I was a bit like, you know, Odo's right. They, they could have got him at any point. They could have got him then. Yeah. What yeah. were they doing? Odo's um, right. Yeah. <laughs> That's, the way they open that actually is really good in terms that it plays right back to the end of season three mm-hmm. with the adversary where um, yeah. Odo ends up having to kill a changeling on board the Defiant. 
and the, that a changeling's last words to him is, "You're too late. We're everywhere." So I think yeah. to go from that very scary statement to like, "Oh my God, they are everywhere!" We're immediately with season four with we're hunting one through the station. It was a great way to open, even though it was kind of a bluff and it was a training exercise. But, so. Yeah, but isn't it? It's a way of of. It, opening with something exciting and and akin to like an action scene when really they, yeah. you couldn't really have an action scene in the story yet so mm-hmm. I, I, yeah it's kind I, of pulling the wall over the viewer's mm-hmm. eyes going but also oh my god what's happening oh wait it was a drill yeah yeah we are we are reminding viewers the changeling is the the changelings are the threat the dominions are the threat we're, we're going to get into some big klingon stuff but let's not forget about the changelings because otherwise the klingons Actions make no sense, as well. You've got you've got yeah. to have the, the changeling thing there. So the what the Klingons are doing um, has a, That's a good reason. Point. That's the whole motive. It's not just the Klingons yeah, going they, crazy for the sake of it. So they they open by explaining what a changeling is and what and what and, mm. and establishing what the threat of the changelings are. So that yeah, that's right. Yeah, when the when the Klingons show up and and give their reasons for what they're doing, it. it it does make sense. Mm. Yes, yeah, cleverly plotted that mm, way. It is, yeah. I think. Um, and then we... Is that then the point where Martok shows up in well, his... Um, no, Cisco goes, goes to start his date with Cassidy Yates. Oh, yes, yeah. of course, yeah. And that's yeah. actually a really sweet moment. I really like that. They have that lovely moment where they exchange gifts. Um and he's got this fancy Tholian silk, and she's got him a. Um, it's nice to have the Tholians mentioned. Little yeah, back there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, she's got the um, the the baseball cap from uh, Pike City on Cestus Three. So yeah. Two or mm-hmm. three original series callbacks in one scene there with the Tholians, Pike, and Cestus Three, mm-hmm. which I liked. Yeah. As, uh, we, we also, I guess, we also get a reminder of some some things about Cisco, like we reestablish he likes to cook um, mm-hmm. for himself. He likes baseball. It's it's like, it's almost like a little bit of a reintroduction to the character um, for, for new viewers that, that might mm. be drawn in. I think some um, of that. And his new, his new style yeah. is his new style. Yes. As well. Yeah. Yeah. They finally let him have the haircut he wanted, which was no hair. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's a good way because, um, and they note, I think it's, it's, it's in the companion, the producers say, when when Avery Brooks has a shaved head, he carries himself differently. It's, his entire mm. demeanour as Cisco is different. And I, I see that, although as over the years as I've rewatched, I think I see more of that Cisco in the earlier series than maybe I used to. But, mm. but still, he, yeah. there is a difference and it does make a difference. And I think it's important to establish Cisco in that scene again as a couple of things like, you know, Remember, this is still Cisco. He he likes to cook. He likes to baseball. You know, it's still the same character, even though the actor's yeah. going almost, you know, come across a little bit differently. But it's more relaxed, I think. Uh, he's more yeah yeah yeah. He seems freer and and happier. So that's good. I, I always quite liked his relationship with with Casty Yates, and mm. that it felt different to a lot of other relationships that we see like it's a long distance relationship and it's it always feels like it's that they have some good natural chemistry i think Mm. those those actors but but also they they make it clear that it's 
like it's hard work to maintain a long distance mm. relationship. And they yeah. they do have a lot of conversation in space as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, really yeah. long distance yeah. relationship. Yeah, and they're they're, they're um, it's an incredibly equal relationship. They both have their lives. Yeah, they yeah. both maintain their separate lives and then come <laughs> together when they are together. Yeah, that's it. There's no question of of Cassidy Yates coming to live on the station so no. she can be with her with her boyfriend. Yes, um, she's doing her own thing. Yeah, mm. and and also like it, I guess it um, that establishes uh, her her character at this point, so that then when she's in peril slightly later on in the episode, yes. it's um, it's got a bit more weight to it. And you know, yeah, it's not just like a a, a, a freighter that that Cisco finds out in in space that he's got to sort out with someone he knows and someone we know as the audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then and then does Martok show up? Then Martok shows up. Yeah. <laughs> and they do a nice little kind of like the little joke that they have where Martok's like, "Oh, can can my can my men come mm-hmm. on the station for a bit of shore leave?" And Cisco's like, yeah, 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 bring them all on. It's fine. And then we get a wide shot and we see like a whole Klingon fleet declare. Yes. They're like, oh, my God. <laughs> my men require shore leave. Oh, certainly. They can come aboard anytime they like. Good. So it's done. Or, and also, it's just really cool because see, like a whole Klingon fleet. Yeah, we've, um, we've never seen a shot like that in Star Trek before. No, no. And I, I had to keep reminding myself, uh, watching Way the Warrior back, that that actually, you know, going back to when when we first saw this, never really seen anything like this in Star Trek before. No. That amount of ships on I mean, screen in one go, bloody hell. Yeah, it was always like a solitary mm. bird of prey. Or... Mm. Yeah. I guess in in um, the previous season, is it in the, I can't remember which two-parter it is, but we do see like some fleet-scale action. I we think. do, because the Romulans and Cardassians go and attack the Founders' homeworld in the Amari yeah. Nebula. So that's the closest we've been. We've seen, we've seen, we see a mass of ships there, but I still think probably at this point the, the Klingon fleet definitely dwarfs that and because there's um, with the clingers there's always that thing like what what's going on there are allies but you know you've got to always account that they can be absolutely crazy bastards sometimes so yeah yeah and then so we get a bit of uh, we get a bit of conflict and hostility with the klingons showing up on the station but we, we sort of quickly get to the to the point of why they're there and what they're up to um well, we, um, we we have to call in the specialist first. We do. Yeah, yeah. That's no, that's yeah. a good because point. they're um, the Klingons are on the on the Deep Space Nine and they have they have a bit of a bad attitude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like um, it feels it yeah. feels like this this kind of leans into the sort of um, DS Nine being a bit of an outpost for the Federation, kind of a almost like a Wild West. A wild west town, mm. like some bad, some bad yeah. eggs have rolled into town and uh, <laughs> roughing up people in the saloons and stuff. Can I? Sorry, <laughs> can I? Like a, can I roll us yeah. back a little bit after the Klingon fleet decloaks and we see the scale of it? 
we then go into the new theme music and intro, ah, which actually debuted right. in this episode. Yeah. And I just suddenly thought, oh, what, what, what did everyone think when that happened? Because that was quite a major change. Is this the point? Is this the point where we see ships actually at DS9 mm, yeah. in the credits? Yeah. The f- I like that. I, rem- I remember that, actually. Yeah. Oh, yes, cool. Because the first three yeah, the series were, they would be. That were very loving, beautiful pans across the bits of the station, but it was very solitary. It was very alone. Now, yeah. it's a place, it's a hub. It's a place where people come and there's loads of, you know, the ships there. And, and obviously the theme itself is beefed up with a bit of a bassy drum beat going on underneath. Yeah. It. So, yeah, it's kind of, as, as you say, in terms of the soft reboot, that definitely adds to that effect. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Mm. I'd forgotten that this was the first time we we see that new thing. Because I suppose that that version of the theme in the intro is, is the one that I always think of when I think of DS9, because mm. it's the, the later seasons that maybe stick in my memory more. But, yeah, so we sort of, what, what do you guys think of the of the the reason that we get Worf called in in this episode it's a little bit tenuous to be fair it's like it's like oh there are Klingon there are loads of Klingons around the station Uh, we need a Klingon Klingon. what Klingon man do we know there's only one Klingon man we know (laughs) we are the Klingon man although surely Jadzia could do something it's it's a time when suddenly Dax's Klingon knowledge is not really good enough no, not relevant. No. <laughs> Any time before, she's been like, yeah, well, I know this about Klingons. Oh, I negotiated this treaty with the Klingons. Oh, Curzon did this with the Klingons. And then this time she's like, fuck if I know. You probably need a Klingon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's a Klingon? <laughs> the longer the Klingons are here, the worse things are going to get. Whatever you decide to do, you better do it soon. Curzon told me once that in the long run, the only people who can really handle the Klingons are Klingons. Get me Starfleet Command. I, I don't, I don't mind it. I, I guess, I, I think one thing I find it hard to watch to talk about this episode sort of objectively like that because I've seen it so many times. It's almost like I'm watching. Uh, like a documentary, like it's real. <laughs> like we're walking yeah. to the station because that's what happens. Yeah, tenuous. What do you mean? It's real life, Gemma. yeah. It's when, um, yeah, when a character from a different show appears on a new show, it sort of validates your love of that character and the and the franchises that you're watching. Like it, mm. it's a it's a recognition of your understanding of who this character is, I think. I mean, I don't think that's why they did it. I mean, partly it's why they did it, but but I think it works in that way. Like, you're like, oh, yes, I know this. This is the world. I know this world. I know these yeah. characters. I, I But I, I know that they exist in the same world, and now I'm getting to see them mm-hmm. interact yeah. in this world that yeah. I know. And I think that's, 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 you know, it's a great... It's, you know, I can see why they did it, because like we were saying at the beginning, maybe the viewing figures for DS9 weren't what they wanted and they had this idea to improve on that. But it it, it works not just from that viewpoint. It, they This episode introduces Worf in a good way and it, yeah. it, 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 it carries on his story from TNG. One, one of the things they say, the producers were very keen 
was to sort of when not just to bring Worf in as the TNG Worf, but to bring Worf in and make him the DS9 Worf. And I think that's definitely something mm. they do because on DS9 Worf is like like Cisco with his with his shaved head. Worf from Deep Space Nine becomes a different kind of a Worf. Not not in a detriment to his character. It doesn't but it, it gives him a different environment and a different way to act and, and interact. Yeah. He gets yeah. prior phases in this where he doesn't really get to do it in uh, mm. TNG. Yeah, so he's living so, his best life he on TS9. He's at war. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, on TNG is seven series of, of Lightness and let's blow this guy up and Picard's like, no, Mr. Worf. Let's let's we will talk to that. Whereas on DS9, let's buy this up. And Cisco's like, fucking yeah, let's. Yeah, Cisco's like, why haven't you done it already? <laughs> what are you waiting for permission? <laughs> yeah. I do, I, I really like actually the way the Warrior Strikes a good balance of um, bringing in a new character, but not letting that character sort of dominate the episode. Mm. Mm. But still, make but not making it like a sort of a token gesture. Actually, giving Worf a story, yeah. like it, Way of the Warriors, a lot of it is uh, like this. It's sort of his story in a way, and there's a lot of scenes with him. Mm-hmm. But I, but I don't feel like he overpowers the episode. I think they, they just get that balance just right. No, I agree. I think he just he fits in beautifully. I mean, I said I said the reason for bringing him on was tenuous, but his, you know, he. I don't think it's. I think he should be there. So. Yeah, yeah. In, in TNG, like he, the episodes that the episodes where they focus on his relationship between his his duty as a Starfleet officer and his nature as a Klingon were always really well done, and mm-hmm. and Picard, Picard, mainly Picard's role in helping him with that. Was was interesting and 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 this transfers really well to DS Nine. Like now it's Cisco that's, that's kind of helping him with that and and just being that being that sort of person to talk to about it and mm. being that other other voice that can give him perspective on his on how he feels about stuff and on his situation basically because he only really has himself to talk to. I mean, all his decision making seems to be. It, yeah, he, he there's no one he can talk to about how he feels, really. Like he's usually made the decision before he talks to someone about about his situation. Mm. And and Cisco gives him a slightly different perspective to Picard as well. And I, th- mm. I think it's sort of towards the end of the episode that Cisco says to him that there was because in in the story we're sort of getting a bit, bit ahead, but in the story, um, Worf is questioning whether he still wants to be a part of Starfleet and um, and. And Cisco confesses that he, you know, he had the same feelings when he first came to DS9 in, in Emissary. He wasn't sure whether he wanted to, to continue his career. Why did you change your mind? I finally realized that it wasn't Starfleet I wanted to get away from. I was trying to escape the pain I felt after my wife's death. That's never something that that Picard could have ever ever said to mm. to Worf. No, I suppose because the Enterprise is a ship and Worf is a vital part of that crew. So Picard mm. was res- always respectful of of Worf's heritage and his need to find balance with that. But but there was that point. There's a point in that relationship where 
where he he talks to Worf and says you can't you can't kind of just come around and use Federation resources to to sort your problems out. There's a point where you need to make a decision. And yeah, um, I, was it Redemption? Is that Redemption two parter? In in that, I think. And that oh, that's great too. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. we're not. I'm not. We're not talking about that. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, I. But I I feel like this this, wolves that relationship the wolf has between his nature and his duty. Transitions pretty seamlessly into DS Nine. Yeah, through, through this story, I think he fits in Deep Space Nine a lot better as well. Because um, mm. when you look at it, Deep Space Nine has. Yeah, on, on, on the Enterprise, everyone is like the, the, the best that Starfleet has to offer. They've all excelled in their stuff and they know what they wanted. They know where they're going. Whereas in Deep Space Nine, you know, you've got the man who is the is the holy figure of the Bajoran religion, but it's Starfleet and isn't supposed to do that kind of shit. You've got um you've got Odo who like has got is is discovered his people and has a completely different view of order and justice to, to what they've got. You've, um, you've got Bashir, the guy's genetically engineer, and hiding it. You've got the woman with seven lifetimes of experiences behind her, and all the baggage that brings. He fits into that because he's the man who's 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 a Klingon raised by humans and joined Starfleet. So I think he he fits that sort of ragtag bunch of misfits on the kind of <laughs> yeah. coin a phrase that DS Nine is. You know, DS Nine itself, for God's sake, is 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 a Cardassian station. Crude, uh, run by the Bajorans, Kira is a yeah, terrible. Crewed by everybody but the but the Cardassians. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kira is a half and one Cardassian. Kira is a terrorist <laughs> turned, you know, authority figure in in a new regime. So it's kind of like, yeah, yeah absolutely, he fits that much more because because he's and it is funny. Um, sorry, sorry, you, you no, go. No, you, you go. I was going to say it's funny we're, we're sort of rattling through the the other characters because one thing I was thinking about at where the worry is Worf sort of gets a scene with most of the other characters like like you would in a in a pilot he sort of gets introduced to all the other characters and there's there's a fun scene where they're down in Quarks and he meets uh, Bashir and well um, he knows O'Brien of course uh, but he meets Bashir and they're they're trying to get him to play darts and there's that fun bit where he where he just throws the dart like way too hard at the dart like smashes it through the dartboard and they're like oh my god <laughs> and then and then kira and uh, and dak show up and they're slightly embarrassingly dressed as princesses and um all that stuff the king arthur fun. the king arthur holodeck program yes. yeah yeah and it's like that all that stuff is really um it's really nice, and, it, and it's kind of a fun juxtaposition as to how the, sort of dark the story goes towards the end, and the, how serious it gets with the with the war. Is but it's it's a nice it's a nice way for Wolf to sort of meet all those characters, even though he's like he's a little bit he's a bit snooty about, particularly about the holodeck stuff. Of course, but um, you know, but he's yeah, that's his what do you mean? He compliments yeah. Kira's hat. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Nice hat. He sort of hits it off with Dax um, mm. pretty much straight away, and then we we get a fun scene later on where he's tra- he's fighting um, he's f- he's in a hollow suite he's fighting Skeletor. He, is. <laughs> he literally is though. That is the Skeletor mask from Masters of the Universe. They used it start oh, back, back in series two and next gen. 
they repurposed <laughs> that mask for his holograph holographic um, calisthenics calisthenics program. So it literally is the old skeleton mask from Masters of the Universe. No way. <laughs> I was joking. I thought it just looked like Skeletor. It does well, it like does. Skeletor. It can't look much more like Skeletor than being the Skeletor mask. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's, I really like that scene where um, where Dax shows. Well, also, like I guess on a Hollow Suite, you can just walk in on anyone, yeah. and that's okay because <laughs> she yeah, just does that, rude. doesn't she? I guess it's her program, maybe. So she yeah. has. Yeah, oh, they do state that, don't they? Yeah. Because he's like, you mean Curzon? Yeah. She's like, no, it's mine. She has, yeah, yeah. Admin, she has, yeah, she has ad, admin rights. I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. And, and, uh, I don't know how it goes when you you go to Quarks for some of his filthy sex programs. If anyone can just wander in, then. Yeah, so. that's that. That's well, it depends who it is, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, yeah, it would have been a bit unfortunate if Dax had walk in, walked in and Worf was... Um, Vulcan like, love slave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or having sex with Skeletor, I guess. So. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, whatever you're into, <laughs> man. That's cool. Really <laughs> My program. Hey, get I have sex with Skeletor. <laughs> I mean, my, my problem with that is I'm not sure how, how fastidious the cleaning crew are in Quark's Hollow Suite, so I'm not sure I'd want to partake of this uh, filthy I just, program. I, I, it is, it's just you have to clean out. Uh, cleaning out the filters would be uh, awful. But yikes. But like we saw in um, in Lower Decks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, God, um, yeah. I bet that's Rom's job, isn't it? Oh, poor Rom. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, bless him. Anyway, but yeah, so yeah, as we as we get into the meat of the story, we discover that the the Klingons are um, they. Uh, there's been a coup on Cardassia, hasn't there? There has. Um, yes. We we get a little hint of that early on in some dialogue. That uh, oh, it's not. Is it a coup? Or it's a revolution. It's not. It's a it's a coupevolution. Coupevolution. A revolution. Coup. Yeah. Anyway, um, and the Klingons. Are suspicious that it it could have been instigated by changelings. Yeah, mm-hmm. so they're going to just do the the sensible thing and go and invade Cardassia. Obviously, and um, the next logical step. Yeah, and, and and you know the Federation are a bit like ah, oh, could could we could we just like phone them and ask them <laughs> if they're changelings? <laughs> I mean. The Federation attitude, I guess, is like, let's set up a series of, of 20 meetings uh, <laughs> throughout the year. We'll do, we'll do a series of Zoom meetings with them uh, and uh, we'll discuss the Because, like, yeah, a, a big a big Klingon fleet turned up and they're not quite, they're not saying why they're there, what they're, what mm. they're up to. <laughs> yeah. And so... Worf kind of elicits the information, doesn't he? He gets he gets drunk with a with a one officer from a ship and finds out the information. I like but that. that's an, and that's another point in Worf's story where he he's a little reluctant to give that information, mm. but he does. Mm. Yeah. Actually, I really enjoy the bit where yeah. Odo confronts him on that one. You met with a Klingon officer in your quarters. Since then, you haven't sent a single message. In fact, you've done nothing to further your investigation of the Klingon task force. None of which is your business. The security of this station is my business. 
And Odo's yeah. like, you, since yeah. you got it, you've sent an average of this many messages back and forth. You've had no response. And then you met with one old man Klingon, and they've sent no messages. It's like, fucking hell, Odo. Does the concept of privacy mean nothing to you? <laughs> no, that's good. No, I, I like that scene. That has kind of like a sort of a film noir beat. Oh, it's a beautiful like, scene. It's really yeah. good. Like it, like that beat. That like, and DS Nine has a lot of kind of film noir beats to it because it's you know it's like his characters that aren't mutually aligned but they work well together. They they have this relationship. They get things out of each other. They. They have great conversations with each other. This, this, just this saying, episode, this, these two episodes, it's kind of like two episodes. This episode is full of great dialogue, just really memorable dialogue between two characters, like mm. just talking about yeah. stuff. I'm, I'm, I watching this again really reminded me of that. There's some great lines in this episode. I'm, I'm just saying, as someone who works in information governance, that scene upsets me because Odo <laughs> got no, no respect for GDPR. And he needs to, <laughs> he needs to back up with a fucking surveillance. He's, a, he's yeah. like he's like he he's a good he's a good detective. It. He's got no legal basis to collect that much information on on a visit to the station. <laughs> I like that. Um, I like that. Worf is a, is Odo is a bit suspicious of Worf at first. That mm. sort of fits Odo's character and um, <laughs> suspicious yeah, of everybody. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, and I and that uh, that leads on to wow he, he of course before he talks to Cisco he talks to um Maltop. yeah yeah uh, I can't he, remember but he, no, he walks uh, a lot of great uh, Martok scenes he does well because he 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 takes on Martok's son who's yes. the one that's being that's it yeah it's being, being a dick being a dick yeah. and he's beaten up. Um, Beating up a simple tailor. A simple tailor, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tailor, who's nothing but a simple tailor. Um, but yeah, so yeah, that's his first attempt, isn't it? And then the Martok comes for his for his son's duck tag. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and him and Worf trade some barbs. But um, that's a great scene. Oh, I mean, for, this is yeah. the introduction of flipping Martok, and I love yeah. Martok so much. Um, yeah. What I'm not clear on is if this is real Martok or Changeling Martok. Do you know, I was, I was thinking going to ask about that because we, they do, Martok does that thing when he's introduced where he cuts his hand um, and he makes them all do the test to see whether they've got blood uh, that is real oh, blood. so is it but, Martok who's the Changeling? Because I thought it was... Um, yeah. They think it's Gowron, but it turns out to be Martok. Um, that's like a year yeah. down the line, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, I always thought it was Gowron who was the changeling. No, it was Martok. Oh. Um, but if the change if the changeling does it first, he can do what he can like a change. Yeah, right. Like well, changeling. Yeah, that there would surely be ways around. I mean, yeah, a change. He, he's if he was a changeling, he's not having that test forced on him. So he could have pre-planned. He could have had like a little yeah. vial of blood yeah. hidden in his. In his body, because you know, and, and then he, yeah, yeah in Homefront Paradise Lost, Joseph Sisko quite off the cuff makes like, oh, if I was a changeling, I'd get this guy's blood and just hold it there until and release it on demand. So, yeah, they're not <laughs> they're not a, a definite effective way. Yeah, but it it feels like in when they made Way of the Warrior, that it didn't feel like they intended for Martok to be a changeling at that point. Mm. 
I know, yeah. I know for sure they didn't. I think there was a point after the end of series four, they'd had the Garon as a changeling cliffhanger. And when they went into yeah. writing the start of series five, they were like, this is going to upset the TNG people a lot if we make it that. And also, if he is, where's the, where's the, where, where's the hook of the episode? Where's the twist? And so, the, yeah, and yeah. to be fair, in Apocalypse Rising, when they do that, it's a fucking good twist. The moment when Odo realizes it's Martok is brilliant. So, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the question then comes in it, it's kind of like, do, are you then going to retcon the fact that this is this is changeling Martok or not? So, mm-hmm. it, it, it doesn't matter because you know. Bloody JG Hertzler is so flipping good as Martok. It doesn't matter if he's being changeling Martok or not. It's, yeah. it's a flipping joy to see. Yeah, and we we get some we get some really cool scenes with him and Worf. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and and later on we we get some cool scenes with Garon mm-hmm. and Worf as well. And uh, is this the first time that Garon has shown up on DS Nine? No. Uh, no. Okay. Garon already showed up in House of Quark. Where- Quark married Grilka. Ah, okay. Yeah, and he has comedic scenes of looking at accounts and stuff under Quark's direction. So, <laughs> so this is this is actually his second appearance, but yeah, um, yeah, it's quite nice they'd already established him actually. So the so the Klingons have started um, stopping, basically doing stop and search on <laughs> ships. Um, as and as and when they please, and um, Cisco gets wind of this, and he's he's not too pleased mm-hmm. uh, because Cassidy because it's his girlfriend's ship. Yeah, 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 yeah. That does that does pull that into question. Would he go bombing out for anyone? I think mm. he would. And Kira's fairly affronted at the idea of Klingon stopping a search in uh, ships in Bajor and space. Yeah, so I think yeah. under under the auspices of you know, administrating. Uh, Bajoran interests, yeah, he probably would have. I think there's an extra bit of that. Um, interestingly, and um, I read the novelization of this episode before I saw it by accident. Oh, I didn't. Right. I didn't even realise what I'd got when I bought the book. I just thought, "Wolf <laughs> on a DS9 novel. This sounds interesting." Um, and I read it and thought, "Hang on, what the flip is going on here?" And then I realised it was actually happening. Um, <laughs> So, but as as you get with novelizations, there's a little bit of extra sort of meat given to some of the stuff, and there was a bit of an idea of like Cisco really enjoyed riding out to the rescue in that scene, mm, which you kind of yeah. think, well, yeah, I mean, you would, wouldn't you? You can get yeah, in your super totally. amazing warship and go and save your your girlfriend. Flipping out, you, you, you <laughs> it's a pretty cool thing to be able yeah. to do. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how bad am I? How badass am I being? Yeah. So, and we we find out that the after that um, confrontation, um, the, that Klingon captain is um, executed yes. by Martok, mm-hmm. or at least under Martok's orders, which is pretty mm. dark. Yeah. Um, and the yeah the, the the episode sort of builds like that. Like we we get the the sort of Klingon hostilities get more and more serious. Mm. Um, to the point where, right at the end of the first half of the episode, I think it, I think that's the end of the first half. The um, the Klingons uh, head off to, to go and invade Cardassia, mm-hmm. and they break um, from the Kidima Accords. The Klingons 
have withdrawn from the Kittimer Accords. The peace treaty between the Federation and the Klingon Empire has ended. Yes. Yeah, which is like, I, I remember when I first first watched that, um, just from I just remember what like a massive impact that was, mm. um, because you know as a as a Star Trek fan, having seen seen Star Trek six, and you you know and you understand that the Klingons have been at peace for all that time. Like this was a massive thing for yeah. DS Nine to do to mm. kind of say, you know what, um, they backed out the Kidmer Accords. They are they are now uh, hostile to the Federation. Mm. It's a bit like whoa, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wolf, Wolf warns about that. Like he, he he warns that if if Klingons are returning to their true nature, then nobody's mm. safe. Bodes bo- bo- ill mm, for yeah. the rest of the yeah the the galaxy. Really, well, the Alpha yeah. Quadrant especially. It's the impact of that moment, like Will says. It's like there's so much backstory hinged on that. It's mm. it's it's kind of like flipping it. DS9 is taking taking some bloody liberties almost, but you know it's it, it's fantastic that it feels it's brave enough to do that because yeah. it's been such a thing throughout. As you say, Star Trek Six established it, but the peace of the Klingons was such a thing throughout TNG, and Worf was at the centre of that. And then DS9 in one episode has bought a bunch of Klingons and then just said, yeah, fuck it, Kit and McCords are done. Like, yeah. So. And it's it's exciting because Star Trek, it's not very often in Star Trek that we see the status quo kind of upset like that. Yes. They certainly wouldn't do it in, in TNG, I think. No, um, they bloody love the status quo in TNG. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's a massive moment, and it's it, so it's not. I mean, you know, often people remember this episode for the the sort of the, the action and the um, excitement, but I, but I think it's the weight of the story mm. that, that really makes it work as well. Um, yeah, things kind of escalate from mm. there, and we get they manage to get word to Cardassia to Cardassia. To Cardassia oh don't yeah, they? The, I really I really that. like that scene yes. where they they come up with that. It's not a very subtle idea. <laughs> they basically invite um, uh, Garak to come and do a fitting yeah. while they're very, very openly discussing come exactly and- what the Klingon <laughs> Yeah, it's like, a, it's like a nice little piece of sophistry. According to our estimates, the task force should enter Cardassian space within the hour. Don't forget the waste. I think I've lost a little weight. Well, thank you, Captain. I believe I have everything I need. This, this is the thing for everything we're saying about a soft reboot. We're pulling on the history of DS9 there. Everything mm. about Garrett yeah. from back back from his first appearance when he's totally hitting on Bashir and or just saying, oh, I'm just a tailor. And everyone's like, he's a spy. But, you know, <laughs> what we've run through with Garrett and just like, how are we going to get a message to Cardassia? I don't know, let's just get Garrick in. And, let's, and yeah, it's the most ridiculous little bit of theatre. <laughs> I, I love I love after that like Garak gets on his like Fisher Price Fisher Price Cardassian computer yeah. and, and interacts with with um, with oh, Ducat like yeah. it's not very subtle like he's on a big old console going hey hey Ducat like, um, <laughs> the, 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 the Klingons are invading <laughs> in an hour. <laughs> Yeah. Beep, boop, bop, boop, boop. 
<laughs> yeah, but it's him that. Yeah. But it's him that sent the message. It wasn't the Federation, so they haven't. The Federation yeah. haven't betrayed a confidence. Or yeah, that's it. Because they can't officially um, get involved, so they find a way to unofficially get involved, mm-hmm. um, which is cool. I like that. Um, and then they, we sort of get to the point where they they sort of hatch a plan and decide that they are going to need to. They they need to rescue the, mm-hmm. the this provisional Cardassian government, mm-hmm. um, and we we sort of get this scenario, which is really interesting when you look at it um, uh, in retrospect. In that, um, you know, have a situation where the Federation or or, or Cisco is is going out to rescue Descartes mm, from the Klingons, yeah. and you know that. Do you find myself thinking in this episode, right? Were the Klingons actually right mm. in what they were doing? You know, could I mean that? Well, they, they were taking a really aggressive action, but what what would have happened if if the Federation had backed them at this point? But was it their attack that prompted the Cardassians to to ultimately accept the um, mm. the founders? Right. You know? Because they they made them feel vulnerable, attacked. Yeah. So actually, yeah, maybe they there was there wasn't a changeling um, presence at that presence, point. but they they, they softened up the Cardassians mm-hmm. to to the idea of needing the Dominion. That's yeah. it, isn't it? That's that's what they talk about, isn't it? Like the the rumor, the rumor destabilizes. Exactly. That entire part of the galaxy, yeah, yeah, because ultimately, because ultimately, none of the major powers completely trust one another. Yeah, there's yeah. never a proven founder influence on Cardassia. <laughs> there is in the Klingons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. where it went. But, that's where it's come from, probably. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, and what Cisco says to Eddington regarding the Marquis is equally applicable to the Klingon actions is where did you drive the Cardassians straight into the arms of the Dominion? Mm. Yeah. So a lot of what comes is, is is, this, the impact of this episode is huge because it completely sets the course for the rest of this, of Deep Space Nine, doesn't it? What happens here leads to the war. So... Definitely, yeah. It's it's a really essential part of the main DS Nine oh, story, yeah. I think. But yeah, and it's it's kind of the voices that the people that interact with each other. I mean, it's a good job that, as far as we've seen, for the most part, you know, the Klingons have interacted with, you know, Picard and Cisco, respectable characters that that are you know competent and. Hold true to their values. You know, we've had we've had that interaction. So at least there's that kind of level of respect. There's a there's a there's an understanding. I think even in this episode, I think you know the the, the scenes with with Cisco and Martok and Cisco and Garon later on in the show. They yeah, there is that. It, it's it's Cleon hubris that often often kind of makes them. Um, do the things that they do in in even in the face of reason i, th- I think mm. you know that's that's a great thing that ds9 does is that it pitches all these different cultures together and they're trying to ultimately eventually they do kind of band together to 
against the Dominion, but it's but at this point it's there's there's, there's no there's no um, Concord. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think that will add some real weight to the. It's because it's how things are. Like, like it's 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 very real. Like it's 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 yeah. Yeah, and I love the the the. the there's a lot of um, a lot that's said about the awesome uh, space battle at the end and the attack on DS Nine, but I think uh, and one, one thing that I have a problem with in this episode is that oh, not people don't talk en- enough about that the first space battle, which is so awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, when the, when the Defiant shows up to um, to rescue Gilda Cut. Mm. And there's like there's some really awesome stuff, and like the 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 weight of that battle is is in the story is also brilliant. Like there's a really nice sort of build up to it where where I can't remember who it is. It might be Bashir. It's like, are we, are we really going to do this? Are we really going to throw away like thirty years of peace? Two decades of peace with the Klingons, and it all comes down to this. And then for this fucker, yeah, Yeah, because without that battle, the 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 big the big fleet attack on DS Nine is irrelevant. Mm. If Cisco hadn't made this move here, that battle has got has got so much more importance because that is the first action. That's the shot that sparks the next one. Um, And 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 as you say, in itself is a really good battle. Um, Yeah. I just love there's there's an effect shot that I absolutely love where the where the camera sort of like just to the up to the to the left over the top of the defiant and we're sort of with it as it's mm. and it and it takes it takes a shot at a bird of prey and like some bits break off and then it has a second shot and then the bird of prey explodes <laughs> and it flies through the freaking explosion. <laughs> that is cool. Just, oh my god! <laughs> Still ah. Oh. I still feel the excitement that I first felt when I saw that because I'm pretty sure we hadn't really seen anything as cool as that in Star Trek before on TV. Well, um, when, you're ed- when you're editing, you need to just take that little bit that you've just said, <laughs> and we send that. To, we need to send that to Paramount as as, as further thing for fucking HD remaster of DS9. <laughs> yes, oh, and there's um, and prior to prior to the, like the secondary encounter as well. There's um, um, so prior to that encounter, there's the bit where they're they're going through a, a debris field of Cardassian. Mm. Oh yes, yeah. And um, and I'm basically saying, well, there might be survivors. We should we should look for survivors, but they can't because they can't drop their shields mm. because because they're probably Klingon ships waiting for them to do that to attack them. And it's like it's kind of like your classic sort of submarine, yeah situation where you can't yeah. give away your situation. Yeah. You, you need to get to where you're going. And, I, I love it when 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 um, science fiction that involves spaceships kind of leans into that kind of submarine vibe where mm-hmm. you've got to be careful about mm-hmm. giving away your situation. Commander, keep us at one quarter impulse until we've cleared the wreckage. Then take us to warp. But, sir, if there are survivors... I'm sorry, Doctor, we can't risk it. We have to reach Ducat. There's a nice echo to the yeah. Wolf 359 bit from best of both worlds too as well in that i was yeah i was thinking yeah yeah i was and i uh, is it is it it almost feels like it was a sort of a conscious thing you know they kind of show us a debris field so the audience is like oh okay so the battle is off screen i get it and then they show us a battle and they're like psych get this 
It's yeah. like three ships are fighting now. <laughs> ah, amazing. <laughs> um, there's a, it's it's a really cool battle. There's a slightly there's a really Star Trekky clunky bit of dialogue where um they're they're because they have to lower the shields to to beam up mm. the um the mm. survivors and there's there's a really clunky bit where um uh a, a Worf has has an idea and then we <laughs> see the effect shot where they fire out uh, um uh, some kind of a techno babble thing a, a tractor beam that's it to disrupt the disruptors of the Klingon ship. And then um, we cut back and Dax is like, you were absolutely right, Wolf. <laughs> when, we, when we fired the tractor beam, it did disrupt the... Ah, jeez, guys. Ah, it's classic, classic radio play dialogue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who's this, who's this coming up the gravel path? <laughs> you were right, Mr. Worf. The modulated tractor beams deflecting some of the Klingon's disruptor fire. Disruptor's effectiveness at fifty percent. I I felt that moment was a was a proper TNG moment, and you know, Worf's come in. You're going to have some TNG moments because of that, and I felt that yeah. was that was the one. That was the bit yeah. where it's like, and that 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 felt like a TNG technobabble solution in battle to me. <laughs> It did, yeah. yeah, yeah like, but yeah, I, I don't not, beam. I can see how thing. a tractor beam would yeah. work like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of that's Worf's value as well. Is 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 a guy? You know, he's a man who was yeah. tactical officer when the Enterprise D defeated the Borg. For God's sake, he's got to have some bloody tricks up his sleeve. So, I like that. Yeah. But yeah, um, it was a very TNG excessive explanation moment <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> that's it but no, and we, we not... also get oh can uh, we not... after the so i was gonna say can we not forget that Lita alexander from babylon 5 is on the defiant <laughs> yes! at this point yes, oh, we yes, noticed yeah. her. Um, oh it's gonna be an explosion yeah, it's always really yeah. cool because she because she's not only an actress but a stunt woman, and mm. so whenever you see her show up um, on DS Nine, yeah, we we're always like, oh, there's going to be an explosion. She's going to get blown up. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she does. I think a console explodes. Yeah, and she gets yeah. blown back. And it's 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 a bit contrived to get Worf into tactical, to be honest. But yeah, um, yeah. we all knew it was going to happen. Um, yeah. I, could, I could just see you two as as the, as the Babylon Five fans. I could see you itching to do this bit. So I thought, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it in there so you guys can like have that release about the Babylon Five. Thank, thank you. It's good. Thanks, Rick. <laughs> um, I like that once the battle is done and the they've rescued the Cardassian government, they they blood test them all. Yes. Like even though they they are rescuing them and they're 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 on their side, mm -hmm. they're like, you know what? Just in case, guys. Yeah. Uh, we're going to cut you. <laughs> <laughs> cut you up. Well, we don't trust you. There's Cisco's a, nice, a practical nice... man. It's like I'm I'm going to stick to my principles, but I'm not stupid. I'm not going yeah. to discount the possibility out of hand. So. And Goldie Cart gets to do some great sort of arrogant. Yeah, he's he does some good huffy acting, <laughs> but he gets shouted oh, down, doesn't? I absolutely love that bit. The bit where um, Dax completely just as like, oh, you owe me dinner because I I bet. Me and Captain just got a bet that you'd start complaining before you thank. <laughs> Looks like I won, Benjamin. You owe me dinner. And what is that supposed to mean? Captain Sisko bet me that you would thank him for the rescue before you started complaining. I lost. That's like, yeah. Oh. yeah. That's a beautiful moment because that's, 
that's so Dax because Dax is absolutely the one who wants to deflate the pompous dickhead and Descartes is such the epitome of the pompous dickhead so yeah. I really enjoyed that moment uh, and then we get a really nice um, it, it feels like from that p- point on in the episode um, so the Klingon you know, the Klingon ships the, the two Klingon ships mm. in close pursuit of the yeah, Defiant they can't, them all the way home yeah they yeah. can't bring the cloak back online. No. They're being chased on the way home. And from that point on, it's like this is a build-up to the inevitable action climax mm. of the episode. Um, but let's pause that build-up for a little chat about root beer. It's so bubbly and cloying and happy. Just like the Federation. But you know what's really frightening? If you drink enough of it, you begin to like it. It's insidious. Oh, yes. Yeah, 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 indeed. Well, yeah, we do get a few of these little sort of build-up scenes, which I, I read that the root beer scene was written because the episode was a bit short. Mm, um, it was. And, and then uh, it ended up being too long, so they were going to cut it out. And, <clears throat> but it was one of Ron Moore's favourite scenes, and he, he fought to keep it in. Mm. It's um, a brilliant scene. I mean, it's it, it speaks yeah. to have two completely alien non-Federation characters discuss the Federation in such a way. I thought it was actually brilliant. It's, it's, it's insidious. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's also an interesting take. I, mean, I don't know. I, I, I kind of always imagine that you, Gemma, appreciate that view yeah. of the Federation. <laughs> I do, yes, right. You know me so well. <laughs> Yes, except that I don't always think it's so sweet and sickly. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, it's how it's presented, isn't it? It's like well, indeed, the, the Federation yeah. is presented in that way, but yeah, in, in in the other way, you know, it's like upset tummy gas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's um there's another scene which I which I read also I think was written to to fill time. Um, but which I also really, really love, and it's it's closer to the um, to the sort of uh, build up to the to the battle, and it's the the scene where it turns out because they're they're, they're they're going to evacuate everyone because mm. a whole Klingon fleet is coming. Oh, um, yes. It's very sensible to evacuate people from the station in that situation. There's a great scene where Quark has decided he's going to remain behind, <laughs> and I just. It's a really short scene, but I love it because it's like it's like joke, 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 mm. and then like bam, really good joke at the end. <laughs> um, and it's all like it's all really true to the characters as well. As Quark's like um, he's he's Quark saying to Odo, "I'm going to stay here and defend the bar," and he's holding like like an old box, and and um, Odo's like, "What are you going to do? Hit him with that box?" <laughs> <laughs> really, yeah, that's yeah. Which which is a, which really makes me laugh. It's a, it's like such an un Odo <laughs> um, thing to say, but it's really funny. And then Quark's like all smug, and he opens up the box and he goes, "No, no, I'm gonna, I got this disruptor from when I was a, uh, I was a chef on on, um, I, I served on a on a freighter." And Odo's like, "Well, weren't you a chef?" He was like, "Yeah, everyone was a bloody." Freighter. Everyone was a critic. <laughs> <laughs> It's another really good joke. And then there's a note. There's a note yeah. in the box saying "I owe you one disruptor." Like, <laughs> that is that was that's yeah. pure comedy. Like, and then, 
And then Quark's like, yeah, and the notes from Rom, and Quark's like, oh, I'm going to kill him. And Odo says, with what? <laughs> Dear Quark, I used parts of your disruptor to fix the replicators. We'll return them soon, Rom. I will kill him. With what? <laughs> the thing is, that's that's beautifully played. The comedy in there is perfect because mm. it doesn't feel it doesn't feel forced or ridiculous. Yeah, it, it, it's literally two old foes dissing each other, and it yeah, works. It's like curb yeah. your like curb your space enthusiasm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, yeah, and it. It's a great, um, it's one of the best Odo Quark scenes, I think. I love it. That was brilliant. There, there was a part of me that sort of thought afterwards, ah, do you know, maybe maybe Quark probably should have been given a weapon. <laughs> I like to imagine at that point Odo is just like, yeah, see you, Quark. And then maybe at the end of the episode, we just see like Quark is dead. I should have given him his box back. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, um, yeah, we we also get a nice scene with um, Odo and Bashir, where which is a bit more serious, yeah. where they're you know they're talking about um, like the very you know the the yeah. fact that there's going to be injured people and the doctor needs to look after himself and Klingons aren't too picky when they're uh, when they're choosing targets. Mm. Odo says, um, and that I I I like that scene as well. It just feels like that reminds us that this you know this is going to get serious yeah yeah there's kind of a dark humor to that one because um mm. it's like don't count on the blue uniform to protect you and klingons aren't very choosy about their targets doctor or no doctor you might end up having to defend yourself well hopefully it won't come to that but if it does i promise you i'll be ready and then like bashir's like well i'm sure there's a klingon who think slaying a changeling would be worth a song or two <laughs> And Odo's yeah. response is, yeah, the Klingon killed me, I want a whole opera. And Bashir's response <laughs> is brilliant. It's like, I don't want to listen to it, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, back and forth. It's just great back and forth, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. I think yeah. Weatherware has excellent examples of that throughout the, throughout the episode. Yeah. So. And then I think you get, then when you finally get to the actual battle itself, there's, a, there's an excellent sort of power play back and forth between Cisco and Gowron mm-hmm. and Martok, where Cisco is like, it's like, is he bluffing? Mm. Uh, is it is it for real? Because we, we've had a few little teases throughout the episode that DS9 has had so, an upgrade. Ever so subtle mentions <laughs> the, yeah, the not, yeah, They're not that subtle, are they? Mm. O- O'Brien is pretty, he doesn't say it outright, but he almost mm. says, we've we've got a shit ton of photon torpedoes on the station now. And we haven't told anyone. Mm -hmm. Um, But But Garon and Martok don't know that. And there's a nice, um, I I really like that build up because again, when I first saw the episode, this is the kind of thing where in Star Trek, usually if there's a, a fleet scale battle about to happen mm. that that will be talked down yeah. <laughs> i because mean, <laughs> no you can't way. afford the special effects exactly yeah there's no way they can afford to do an actual proper battle but they they do and it escalates mm. and escalates and then the klingons attack and then uh, Cis- cisco gives them a bit of time doesn't he he lets them batter ds9 a little mm. bit and then he's like 
battle stations. <laughs> yes. The Klingon ships have raised their shields and charged their weapons. What are your orders, Captain? Battle stations. Fire the even numbered torpedoes okay. and then the odd numbered torpedoes and oh, oh that's so cool. The first moment you when you watch that episode and they all the all the new weapon stuff like is all the like bits sliding up and new things yeah, moving like into and then chunking into place. You're just like, what the hell? Yeah, like Tracy Island. Yeah, <laughs> it was for at, war. It's mind blowing. It's it just like flipping out. It's something yeah. we've just not really seen in Star Trek before. No, definitely not. But, you know, it, it made absolute sense because, of course, you would upgrade the station for the potential of a Dominion attack. You'd be stupid not to. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, that, and again, that, that really sells the um, sells the story because it's it's not unrealistic at all that they would have upgraded mm. the weapons um, because they foresaw this sort of thing. How They didn't expect to be fighting the Klingons, but... Yeah. When you go back um, to the pilot where DS9 had six photon torpedoes, and that was it. Um, yeah. And they, they literally fired them in a bluff maneuver. You know, and you, that, you just sort of. And that, that's what's, I think that's something that maybe as Star Trek fans we kind of get trapped into is seeing one thing and assuming that is then canon forever. But, and what yeah. DS9 did there was like, well, actually. It would be stupid to have a poorly armed station at the mouth of the wormhole to a, that's going to have a hostile force pouring through at any moment. Of course, you'd bloody upgrade it. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, the fact you end up having to deploy those up those upgrades against the Klingons is by the way because it's just so cool to see it happen. This is yeah. all those moments like flipping out. Look at all that. And you don't. There aren't that many effect shots. Of the space battle, actually. Um, there's maybe only about five or six, but all of them are so cool. Mm. It's like, I, I love that we see like, the photon torpedoes launching and then the camera kind of travels along with them as it like weaving in and out of ships oh. and then like destroying a. Sorry, a I, I read about so that. Cool. Um, and that was actually much part of a much larger, more elaborate sequence. Ah, okay. Um, so you'd, you'd actually go from. You'd cut from ops and the, and the fire order, and you cut to inside the torpedo mechanism, and you'd see this torpedo like go up, go up, get loaded into the firing, and then actually fire. So you'd see this very complex firing mechanism oh, that the torpedo loads into, and then fires, and then you have the following the torpedo weaving through. Um, unfortunately, apparently they when they saw it, they felt that it took. I, they, it just took the viewer out of the episode a bit. Um, it was uh, so elaborately okay. done. Um, I don't. I need to check YouTube somewhere. There's a full sequence out there. I think one of at least one of the effects supervisors kept an intact copy of it. But apparently, it's the most expensive effect shot of the episode, and it was shot down to very little in the end. Oh, man. <laughs> But I mean, may, maybe that was the maybe that was the right decision because um, we, you know, never never really thought that that battle was lacking mm. anything. So uh, you can see how it might sap the energy slightly. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Oh, I want to see it though. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm going to search YouTube yeah. for it. So. <laughs> and then the um, yeah, the, the there's a 
the Klingons punch a hole in the shields, and then mm. we get boarding parties. Oh my god! Uh, and that all that stuff is pretty cool, yeah. isn't it? Um, I mean, you could you could say like for Klingon warriors, they are they are taken down fairly easily, aren't yeah. they? And it feels like it's maybe not the there's maybe a flaw in their tactic to to beam into somewhere with like a, a loud beaming noise and a bright light so that everyone can turn and look at you and get their phases out and just shoot you. <laughs> <laughs> there's whole, yeah, there's a whole wait for them to materialise. Yeah. yeah, it's like it takes immediate. too long to materialise. Yes. But I don't know, it's pretty cool. And then on the other side of that, I kind of think, well, you know, they, they were defending their lives and their, and their homes and... They're, they're they're well trained on DS9. I think mm. they. I, I think it, it's not that the Klingons got taken down easily. It's that the the people who were fighting them were very capable mm. fighters. Yeah. I, I I chuckled. I chuckled when um, as Kira gets Kira gets pretty seriously stabbed. She does, and oh. and she's in a bad. She was in a bad way, and she and Cisco goes over to. She's I'm. I'm all right. Don't worry about me. And like, but you're not. You're not medically. You could have a massive injury Ooh, and bleed out. Major, I'll be okay. It's not as bad as it looks. No, but she, she knows that he's got impre- he's got important things to do, and she's yeah, like, yeah, well, yeah. And, and, and like, you know, Kira is a, a freedom fighter, so she's tough and knows things. But yeah. I, I, I just worry that she's like, oh, I'm fine, and then she's like. Eh, eh. <laughs> the point is that she knows she's not fine, but she knows that she is, you know, yeah. she does the most badass thing you can do in a fight. Um, she gets stabbed. She pulls out the knife and stabs the guy with it. That's what yeah. you got to do. Even if you bleed out, at least you've done that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's cool not in the green. Movie. It's not in the your first aiders manual, but it's in the <laughs> being cool manual. <laughs> yeah, it's a um, it's a it's a you know it's a pretty violent moment for for Star Trek. Yeah, um, it's, it is really cool. Yeah, shouldn't wear pajamas though. Everyone wears everyone basically wears pajamas on that space station. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah wear combat space armor. Might be, might be quite good. Yeah, idea. especially if you know that a bunch of Klingons are going to be who who prefer to use mm. um, bladed weapons. Indeed. Like, yeah, a little bit of combat armor perhaps would have been sensible. <laughs> but no, they were like, let's make sure we wear our thinnest pajamas for this fight. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it is it is really cool there, and I think they, um, yeah, I don't think you can underplay how how much of a big deal that action sequence was to yeah at the time when we'd never seen anything like that on on Star Trek, and and to, to have an invading force actually make it onto DS Nine, and to have a sort of a, a firefight on the promenade and stuff, oh, so exciting. Yeah, it. Um, the, these two episodes, um, the the point the point at which you get to Cisco saying battle stations is the point at which you want battle stations to be set. It, it times it perfectly. Battle stations. Yeah, yeah. For the rest of the episode, that's the point at which everything else carries on from that point and is released. The drama and the action is released from that point. 
you're and the the audience is with the with the characters at that battle station point. You can never never get tired of hearing a character say battle stations because I've just said it about four times. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even tired of it yet. <laughs> it's like they you know, you don't it's important stations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One I thing think. um at the beginning of the of, of this we were talking about I something a, a, a nitpick and a nitpick I have about this episode it, which isn't really in the big in the context of the episode, but it's just a point where where Worf has decided that he's leaving, he's going to quit Starfleet and join the. Oh, I can't remember the name of the alliance. The Nibarite Alliance. The Alliance. Mm. Uh, is it a Brian says? Well, what about what about your son? <laughs> and um, yeah. and and Worf says oh, he's happier with his grandparents. The Nibarite Alliance. That's a long way. What about your son? Alexander is much happier living with his grandparents on Earth than he ever was staying with me. I was like, is he? Is he? Is he? Have you, have you, have you checked on that? Yeah, are you sure? Because <laughs> what Wolf means? I'm not sure. I'm not sure he is. What Wolf means uh, is I haven't given a shit about him thus far. Why would I start now? Yeah, yeah. and that. And to be fair, that's not a criticism of the episode. That's a criticism of of Wolf. He's <laughs> a terrible father. Um, he's not just he's... a terrible father. He's a terrible family member because he <laughs> yeah. fucks his entire family. From oh, I don't here remember that. What episode was that, Jeff? Yeah, I don't. I don't <laughs> we had to clean the hollow suite real good <laughs> after that. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> but he does the the classic, um, uh, ever so very honourable um, male act of of being too honourable to allow his family to just live a normal life. Uh, yeah, he, now, no, they're dishonor, now they're all in dishonour. Now they're all dishonour and yeah. banished and, and um, yeah. It's weird, weird how Worf's sense, Worf's sense of honour basically is very similar to shirking all responsibility. Yes, <laughs> very much so. You'd never see Garak doing that to his family, although he's got his own family issues. But he would never... <laughs> I'd be unwilling to to bend in so much that it it damages the people he supposedly cares about. Yeah, the reason Garak is amazing, of course. But um, yeah, but yeah. So so Wolf has has turned his back on the Klingons. He's, yeah, the Klingons have turned their backs on his family, and he's Literally, also probably. turned his. Oh, yeah. but he's. he's, he's his family are fine. His, his son's with his grandparents. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I, one question I had in, in this episode is, well, where the hell's Jake? Cisco <laughs> never even... Not only is Jake yeah. not in the episode, I don't remember Cisco even, like, or being concerned. Because, like, is he on the station? It's like the, there's a massive He's battle going with on. He's probably with his granddad. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, his grandparents. It's much happier. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's with the grandparents. All the kids are with the grandparents. Yeah. <laughs> so much happier. Uh, yeah. uh, Nog's with Moogie. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Everyone's fine. I just, I think, you know, it just feels it feels a bit amiss that that um, Cisco doesn't at least say, oh, and I'm and I'm glad that uh, Jake is safely in his quarters <laughs> where he can't be harmed by any Klingons. So I didn't seem to even think about his son. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming he was evacuated. 
like, like Quark refused to be. So, mm. yeah, I hope so. Mm. Well, I mean, yeah, he shows up in future episodes, so he is fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In the in the next episode, the next episode is the one where, um, oh yeah, where Jake's a, an old older. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. is it the visitor? Yeah. In fairness, we yeah. get a very Jake heavy episode. Uh, so maybe maybe they thought let's not have Jake in this let's one not at even all mention because, him because yeah. it's so yeah. and then in the next episode surprise Jake <laughs> <laughs> so much Jake <laughs> but we don't like to show too much Jake so we're going to get a different actor to play him as an older man for a lot of the episode <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, Tony Todd does a great job but anyway we're oh, talking yeah. about uh, we're not talking about the episode <laughs> yeah. I was I was just thinking in terms of like the impact of this episode for Worf settling a DS9. That's almost like a whole other episode we could do, talking about how Worf settles into Deep Space Nine. Yeah, yeah, definitely. As a, as a thing, because yeah, there's a lot, lot of knock on from this. Yeah, it kind of ripples through the rest yeah. of Series Four, until um, yeah, to get to get Worf fully established. But the, the, I mean, there's so much of the groundwork is done here so strongly. So. Yeah, yeah. I like how I like how through the for, through up until the very end, uh, Worf keeps his TNG uniform, and then at the mm. very end, when he's decided to join DS Nine, he gets his new like command uniform. Mm. Like, yeah. That represent that represents his transition from TNG to DS Nine. Like like in these episodes, he was he was still sort of TNG Worf, and yeah. But in the, yeah. very, in the very end, he decided to change, and now he's DS9 Worf. And I guess yeah. I think in, um, in Generations, when they had that sort of mixing of the two uniform styles, Worf always stayed in the original TNG uniform. He didn't try... It didn't, you didn't see him in the DS9 Voyager style at any point through that. Mm. So, yeah. Um, yeah, you don't see him in a DS9 uniform until he commits to being on DS9. Which is quite cool, really. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of symbolism there that like, sort of having to make that commitment to join them. I think. Um, and so, the the very end of the episode, um, we see the the Klingon the the Klingons back off from the fight in the end because Cisco's reinforcements are showing up. But but Gowron says, I can't remember what it, how he says it. He either, he either says, but. Be, beware, Cisco. We do not forgive. We do not forget. forget. Or, he, or he maybe says, <laughs> we, do not eyes. we do not forgive. I can't remember. The Klingon Empire will remember what has happened here. You have sided against us in battle. And this, we do not forgive. Or forget. Steepy, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> It's like it's like that a bit. Yeah, but it, it sort of sets up the idea that the Klingons are then going to be an adversary for the rest of the of the series. Mm-hmm. And then, I, what, what did what? Overall, I I don't remember the the Klingon conflict actually featuring in as much in the series as I thought it was going to after Where the Warrior. Um, it seems to sort of come and go a bit. I know we we do get an episode where. Bashir ends up on the like on the sort of front lines of a battle for a Klingon 
outpost or uh, uh, with i think with jake as well yes I yeah it's a jake remember. episode really although bashir yeah. is heavily involved yeah it's very much a jake episode that one um which is kind of interesting uh, yeah. obviously we do get we do get the plot line for the beginning of series five regarding um where they believe that garon is the changeling yeah yeah uh, it comes up a little bit because we've got um, there's the episode with Kern where the Klingons are laying a minefield. And, oh yeah, and there's also the episode where the Klingons have tried to like fake um, an incident to make Worf look bad. And so it's essentially like a trial episode oh, with Worf. Yeah, oh that's a good one. Mm. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah, so it, it crops up. Yeah, you know, they cr- they crop up here and there, but I mean ultimately it was. The, the Klingons were never the focus, were they? So No, no. And, uh, you know, I guess it was always the plan that they would... Um, that, the, you know, the, the, they couldn't have either side be a be a victor no. or, a, or, a, or a loser as such. They always needed to rejoin and, and fight the real threat, which was the Dominion. Yeah. So, yeah. Ultimately, they quite handily just, like, have... Have a situation where Garon says, "Okay, I'll just sign the Kitten Records again. We'll we'll just act like none of the last year and a half ever happened." <laughs> yeah, I, I remember being a bit disappointed by that when I first saw it because I, I was so excited by Way of the Warrior, and I was like, "Oh my god, we're going to get a whole season where they're at war with the Klingons. What's going to happen next?" And then what happened next was, "Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, n- n- nothing." <laughs> they don't really. F- you know, but yeah, you're, you're right. We do get some follow up. Yeah, and I think it, but... I think ultimately, it's it when when they rejoin, when we sort of reunite, it's in the face of Cardassia and the Dominion joining forces, which again is another big upheaval in the galactic status quo. So yeah, you kind of like you, you may be so sort of what the heck, um, and after actually having quite a long time of gold cut, sort of being on the verge of like redemption and becoming a good guy, he suddenly turns around and says, actually, I signed a deal with the Dominion and I am totally the bad guy. So, <laughs> yeah. So that works quite well, ultimately. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it, yeah, I was never massively comfortable with being enemies with the Klingons. And that's probably a, 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 because of my TNG upbringing, I think. I was a bit like... yeah. You know, to me, you kind of had to be at peace with them, but yeah, I think it worked better being allies with them against the Dominion than not. So, yeah, I, I read that at the time there was a bit of a, there was a little bit of a backlash against where the warrior because because the Klingons were sort of made to be the villains, and some diehard Star Trek fans thought that it was it was against Rodenbury's vision, what what he'd sort of established in TNG. Um, it's funny, uh, probably the only time that Star Trek fans have ever been annoyed by a story decision in, in Star Trek <laughs> or, or cried um, Rodenbury's vision being trampled on. It's the only time that's ever happened in in, uh, in fandom. Very unusual. Oh, honestly, the amount of concern about Roddenberry's vision, you must think most Star Trek fans are fucking opticians. <laughs> but yeah, but it's, it's nuts that even... Even like one of the greatest Star Trek episodes of all time, where the Warrior, still some fans were annoyed by it. Mm. It's like, what? what? You can't win. Some yeah. people just like being annoyed by stuff. I think. So. 
Yeah, no, I think yeah. you're right there, Rick. <laughs> but if, it feels like none of us really um, have anything negative to say about Way of the Warrior. No. Except for Rick's uh, nitpick about Wolf Sun, which is which is more of a nitpick of Wolf. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. That, that's not a criticism of the episode. Just yeah. uh, I think Way of the Warriors just... is, is is not alone in in Wolf shit parenting episodes. <laughs> <laughs> no, and but it is it is interesting to represent a character who is a shit parent, and I don't. Yeah, you know, he he doesn't really get called out. On being a shit parent, no, does he? No, I guess. Um, true, but yeah, I mean, you could say not, that where the till, warrior um, in the war arc, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. that's true. But there's that, to, but there's that um, what was the name of the kid whose who's mum died and Worf sort of Jeremy didn't really Astor. adopt. Jeremy Astor. That I mean, that's not Worf's fault. I think that's the fault of not wanting to pay the the mm. creator of the script who created that character. But yeah, that's kind of like behind the scenes problems. Think, we never saw that character again. I think I read somewhere yeah. that the actor who played that kid was a nightmare as well. It's, I imagine that kid it, is happier living with his grandparents. <laughs> of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But yeah, you're right, Gemma. I mean, it's it's maybe it would have been interesting. It would have been interesting to explore that a bit more. I mean, there's there's no there's no shame in struggling to be a parent. Yeah, um, yeah, but, that's true. But we don't explore that really very much. No, no you're right. Yeah, and that, and yeah, then Alexander seems to he he ages really really quickly. Yeah. <laughs> He's a grown up <clears throat> next time we see him. So. <laughs> I guess, yeah. It must be Klingon, Klingon, Klingon Klingon's, DNA. Yeah, Klingon's age faster. Yeah, we yeah, just, we just, yeah, it's like you age from one to, yeah, one, yeah. Yeah, you age one to eight, then it's like eight, 15, <laughs> 27. <laughs> Thir- yeah, 30, <laughs> old age. <laughs> but also Klingons can live to be like yeah. 200 or whatever, so. Yeah, you think they are, but they're, they're like, 42 <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, um in the in the interest of uh, of of wrapping this up um, does it does anyone else have anything they want to say about where the warrior um well i guess like interestingly at the beginning where you you said it was considered a sort of a soft reboot mm. and and i'm I'm not sure it is, but I can, but I can see how that has, how people could see that because it does, it definitely, it definitely puts DS9 on a, on a particular sort of path in its, mm. and how it progresses from that point on. But through the inclusion of Worf, I would say, like it and the Klingons, that element to it, I would. So, so what, yeah. what do you guys think about that? Is, is this a, is is this episode the start of a is it like fran- franchise Viagra, a soft reboot? I think, or is it? I think it's very well constructed as a as a fresh jumping on point. If you haven't tried DS Nine before, and and Wharf is a thing that might will probably bring you in to give it a try. Absolutely, this is a great jumping on point. But it doesn't entirely. The soft reboot it kind of implies that we kind of move away from a lot of the previous stuff, and the past three mm. years is still a massively important to DS Nine 
as it goes forward and it doesn't yeah. negate the build-up the the, the development and the importance of the characters that have already been established. I think the, yeah. the beauty of it is that Worf comes in and Worf becomes part of Deep Space Nine. It doesn't become DS9 now becomes the Worf show. Mm. And that, yeah. Yeah. Worf very well no, assimilates good... to DS9 and becomes a DS9 Worf. But yeah, this episode yeah. is a brilliant place to start if you hadn't tried DS9, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. That's pretty much exactly what I was going to say mm. on that as well. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Gemma? I, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have nothing to add. Fair enough. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, do you think we should do you think we should wrap it up there? Yeah, we should go we I should go to good. Wrap it up stations. <laughs> yes. Wrap it up stations. Um, thank you very much for listening, everyone. I hope you really enjoyed our fan wank over uh, <laughs> Way of the Warrior. Um, you'll be you'll be glad that this one was an audio only. There was no video, so you didn't have to, to see us. Um, and yeah, we'll be we'll be back in the future to uh, talk about more Star Trek. And um, yeah, thanks everyone. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Do you realize how incredible this is? It's tradition. You ever noticed her bum? What? Her bum. Oh, no. I will say. I will say. Fewer things. Fewer things. Okay. Enough of this self indulgence. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, our website is www.loweredexradio.co.uk. You can reach us on the Twitters at at 10 backward, 10 being the number and backward being the word backward. We're also on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash 10 backward podcast. You can also email us at crew at loweredexradio.co.uk. On a personal, individual level, my Twitter is at Will Turland. Rick Everson's Twitter is at TrekFanRick. And Rick Palmer's Twitter is at Mr. Imhotep. Hi, thank you again for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, you might consider supporting us. We have now have a Patreon uh, where people can uh, pledge small amounts to fund uh, ongoing projects like uh, keeping our website up to date, uh, um, new audio equipment as we're going along and potentially uh, opportunities to expand our content uh, you can go look at this at patreon.com forward slash radio uh, if you don't feel you can donate but would still like to support us we would love it if you could subscribe to us however get your podcast through iTunes, Stitcher Google Play or we're on various third party apps and if you could leave us a review on any of those that would be fantastic and would be very appreciative Thanks again for listening, and please tune in for more podcasts from the 10 Backward Crew. Let's make sure that history never forgets the name. 10 Backward? Laddie, don't you think you should rephrase that? 10 Backward. 10 Backward. What are your orders, Captain? Battle stations. Mm.